It is no, Sunday, November 3rd, and we are talking about the sin offering. Uh, this is our third week on this topic. Uh, out of Leviticus chapter 4 is the explanation that is given in the Bible about the sin offering. And the reason we are discussing this is because we were talking about the dedication of the tabernacle that had been completed and the dedication of the priesthood as far as Aaron and his sons. And this is the first offering that they made once they had been washed, clothed, and anointed. There were offerings that they made. So let's review real quick. Uh, Let's talk about first the word sin. What does the word sin mean? Does anybody remember? Anything that goes against God's uh, word, correct. It's anything that God says is wrong is sin. If it's in His word that it's wrong, and it was sin back then, guess what? It's still sin today. We can't make His word fit our situation and try and uh, bamboozle it around. It doesn't work that way. What God said then, God means now. Uh, so yes, sin is anything that goes against God. It actually means to miss the mark. But it's God's mark. Not what we determine, but it's what God determined. Anything that... So what was the word offering? Does anybody remember what that was? An offering, remember we talked about the word Corbin, that it was meant to draw near, to draw near to God. People think sacrifice is giving something up. We're going to suffer a loss because we are making a sacrifice. But this word was not to be looked at it in that way. This word was to draw near. The word Corbin, and it meant to draw near to God. So anything that was done, that was given to God, was to be done cheerfully and joyfully, not to experience any type of loss, but it was because of the fact that when I give this, if I give it in the right heart, cheerfully and joyfully, I'm going to draw near to God. God will find this pleasing. Tells us in the New Testament, God loves what kind of giver? A cheerful giver, exactly. So, a sin offering was given in review for what kind of sin? Do you remember? was given for something that was done unintentionally. Remember? It was an unintentional sin. Something that you did and you found out later on that it was sin when it came to your knowledge 
you made the sacrifice to God where you would receive forgiveness. That's why it's so important that we are to have that spirit uh, of repentance before God and ask Him to forgive us on a daily basis because we can sin unintentionally. These are done out of ignorance. They did not know. And these were always offenses against God. So what was the procedure? We talked about the different animals that everyone was to give depending on their social status, where they fell. Uh, what was the priest sacrifice? Do you remember? Exactly. A young bull with no blemish. And we talked about two weeks ago when I was here the last time that when those were offered, the priest brought them to the other priest, brought them to the tabernacle. They put their hands on the animal's head. uh, Meaning that, hey, this animal, I am transferring my guilt. I am transferring my sin. I'm transferring what I did wrong to this animal that I can go free and God will accept this animal as my substitute bringing to mind again that Jesus was our substitute that he took our sin like our memory verse talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that he took our sin that we could be made righteous that's what these animals did it was symbolic of what Christ was going to do so they would lay their hands on the animal, and then the animal would be slain. And the blood, do you remember where the blood was applied for a priest? Uh, Okay, it was applied to the horns. It started, the animals killed here at the door of the tabernacle. They take the blood and they go in and they actually sprinkle it, remember, on the veil. So it was sprinkled on the veil which was the separating veil between the holy place and the most holy place inside the tabernacle. It was sprinkled on the veil. And then it was applied to the altar of incense, to the horns of the altar of incense. And remember, there were horns on all four corners. And it was applied to the altar of incense. And then where was it applied? Do you remember? It was applied to the main altar where all of the sacrifices were burned. It was applied to the uh, brazen altar in the courtyard of the tabernacle. So the blood was taken from the sacrificial animal. It was applied, sprinkled to the veil, It was applied to the horns of the altar of incense and then to the main brazen altar. It was poured out around the base of the altar. Now we also talked about what was burned on the altar. Because they actually dissected those animals when they were sacrificed. They didn't just drain the blood out or get a little bit of blood and then throw the animal in its entirety onto the altar. There was a process 
that was done. Do you remember what was burned on the altar? What was offered to God actually? Kidneys. Yes, there were two kidneys that were offered. Fat, again, was a correct answer. The other word was the call, which was the small intestine. The call or the small intestine and the liver. Those were considered the choice parts of that animal. Now, I am not an organ meat person. I'm sorry we talked about that. We talked about how some of you like liver to eat. I am not an organ meat person. I will not eat that. I am also not a fat eating person. My grandfather would sit down and eat especially pork fat. He loved it on pork chops and ham. Yeah, my grandmother would eat the part, tail of the chicken, you know, the fatty part. Yeah. No. Oh, that's that fatty. No, that's... I don't like, I'll pull my skin off my chicken. Oh, no. Yeah. This skin is the best part. I just can't stand the way But if it's crispy. Yeah, not if it's gooey. No. Even to this day, it's funny. My mom always cooked chicken, and she would buy whole chickens and break them apart. If she was going to fry them or barbecue them or whatever she was going to do for the entire family, she would buy a whole chicken because back then yes. it was cheaper, yeah. yes. you know, to do that and take it apart and skin it and all that kind of stuff. I started out trying to do that too, and I got to the point where I couldn't. When I was pregnant, I could not handle all of that. Uh-uh. And it stayed with me. I, I don't know, but now it's like boneless chicken breast all the way. Or if I buy leg parts or thighs or something like that, because that's what Ryan and Joseph like, fine, you can have them. I'm going to have me a boneless chicken breast. There has to be something there for me, too, because I just can't do that of them. You can buy them scant now, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I, I can't do it. But... That's what God told them was the choice part of the animal and what he wanted out of the animal. And then what happened with the remainder of the animal? We have taken the blood, we have taken the kidneys, the liver, the small intestine, and all of the fat. Now what happened to what was left of that animal? It's found in Leviticus chapter 4 and verse 11. It says there, the skin of the bullock, all of his flesh, his head, his legs, all of his other inwards, and even his dung, his fecal matter, was all taken outside of the camp, but it was taken to what they called a clean place. It says where the ashes were poured out, the ashes from the altar, the excess that were taken away, they were taken outside of the camp, and they burned everything else with fire. So all of the remainder of the animal was taken outside of the camp and burned. So somewhere, because we had the children of Israel all camped around the tabernacle, but somewhere way out here, 
outside of camp is where they would take all the, the remains and they would burn them on fire out there. And I did notice a neat scripture in Leviticus chapter 6 this week. We talked about how did they do all of this in their priestly garments? It said that they priests, before this part was taken outside and burned, they changed clothes. They put on other clothes. Now this is not necessarily the high priest. I think it was the other priest that were just in the linen garments. It said they would change clothes inside of the tabernacle and they would take all of that outside and burn it. And then once they were done, they'd come back inside and put back on their priestly garments for other duties. It also said in that that when the garments were stained or um, when the blood was sprinkled on them and everything, that they would actually wash them inside of the tabernacle. Because, you know, we talked about what happened to those clothes. With all of this blood that they're handling and these sacrifices that are being made, it's in Leviticus chapter 6. There's some uh, instruction there about what the priests were to do. So this was the procedure if a priest um, unintentionally sinned. Now let's go on to the congregation. The congregation as a whole. This was all of Israel. This three to six million people, however many people were there. Um, this is found in Leviticus chapter 4 starting in verse 13. Do you remember what the animal was that they were to offer? Yep. It also was a young bull. With no blemish. So starting in verse 13, it says, If the whole congregation of Israel sin through ignorance. It says, And they have done somewhat against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which should not be done. There's that sin of ignorance and that explanation again. Anything against the commandment of the Lord. And they are guilty. When the sin which they have sinned is known, then the congregation shall offer a young bullock for the sin. And they shall bring him to the tabernacle of the congregation. The elders of the congregation will lay their hands on the head of the bullock before the Lord, and the bullock shall be killed before the Lord. It says, Then the priest that is anointed shall bring of the bullock's blood to the tabernacle of the congregation. And the priest shall dip his finger in some of the blood and sprinkle it seven times before the Lord, even before the veil. So, guess what? The blood from this young bull for the congregation as a whole is also sprinkled on the veil. It says, it is also in verse 18, it says, He shall put some of the blood upon the horns of the altar, which is before the Lord, that is in the tabernacle of the congregation. Now, this again is that altar of incense. And how do we know that? Because if you read on in verse 18, it tells you, and they shall pour all the blood at the bottom of the altar of the burnt offering. So it differentiates between those two altars, the altar of incense and the brazen altar or the altar of incense that is in the courtyard. Yeah. 
So it is the same procedure as what takes place for a priest. The animal is killed. They take the blood. They sprinkle it on the veil. They put it on the horns of the altar of incense. And they pour it out around the base of the brazen altar of sacrifice out in the courtyard. Verse 19 says, And he shall take all his fat from him and burn it upon the altar. Now it only specifies fat there. But I think it included all of these choice parts again. Those organs as above. All of those choice pork parts of that animal are burned on the altar. And verse 23 says, And he shall carry forth the bullock without the camp and burn him as he burned the first bullock. It is a sin offering for the congregation. So guess what? The remainder of that bullock, the head, the legs, all of the other innards, everything are taken outside the camp and burned. What about if a ruler sins through ignorance? A male goat. All right, that was the animal. A young male goat with no blemish again. What was the procedure? It says, when a ruler hath sinned. And remember, we talked about these rulers could have been pertaining to only 12 people because the rulers were listed as the um, head of each one of the tribes of Israel, and there were 12 of them. So it could have only applied to 12 people. Could have been more. We don't know. It's never specified exactly. But it says, when that ruler has sinned, and done somewhat through ignorance against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which should not be done and is guilty. Or if his sin which he hath sinned comes to his knowledge, he shall bring his offering, a kid of the goats, a male without blemish. Again, he's going to lay his hands on the goat's head, transferring his sin and guilt to that animal, And then the animal is killed. And it says, And the priest shall take of the blood of the sin offering. This is uh, verse 25 out of chapter 4. said, It shall take of the blood of the sin offering with his finger and put it upon the horns of the altar of burnt offering. Now guess what? This time it does not go to the veil and the altar of incense. It only goes here, but it's applied to the horns of the altar. The four horns on each corner. And then it says, and he shall pour out his blood at the bottom of the altar, a burnt offering. So here it is also applied to the base. all around the bottom. They do not take this into the holy place. 
It's not applied to the veil. It's not applied to the altar of incense. It goes just to the altar of sacrifice. And it says, And he shall burn his fat upon the altar, and the priest shall make an atonement for him as concerning his sin, and it shall be given him. The fat, the choice parts, are what is burned on the altar. And we're going to leave that other blank for right now. And we're going to move on to the common Israelite, which I like to put us in this category. (coughs) We're just the normal people. Any one of the common people sin through ignorance while he does somewhat against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning which ought not to be done and is guilty. Or if his sin which he had sinned comes to his knowledge, then he shall bring his offering. And what was his offering? All right. Yes, it was a female goat. Young. It was a female goat without blemish. Or what? A female lamb. Left out the word blemish. So it was a female goat or a female lamb without blemish that was brought. Verse 29 there says, He shall lay his hand upon the head of the sin offering. Again, signifying that he is transferring his sin to that animal and that animal is going to die in his place. And it says, Then they will slay the sin offering in the place of the burnt offering. And the priest shall take of the blood thereof with his finger. And guess what he does with it? He puts it on the horns of the brazen altar, or they call it here the burnt offer. It's again... This altar at the beginning where all of the sacrifices were made, it's applied to the horns, the four horns on the corner. And then where else is it put? Where else does verse 34 say? Verse 34 says, He shall put the blood on his finger and put it upon the horns of the altar of burnt offering and shall pour out all the blood thereof at the bottom of the altar of the altar. So exactly the same as with the rulers. It goes on to the horns in the four corners, and then also around the base or the bottom of the altar. And then it says in verse 35 that he shall burn the fat of the lamb or the goat upon the altar and it shall be uh, it shall make atonement for his sin and it shall be forgiven him now there's a lot of different opinions out there uh, and that's what I found because I looked at multitudes of people's charts and ideas and their interpretation of scripture as far as commentators and preachers and speakers and they combine this offering with some of the other offerings and they say 
that these are eaten by the priest. But I don't uh, go with that. Not that I'm smarter than other commentators, but I want you to look at Leviticus chapter 6 and verse 30. Leviticus chapter 6 and verse 30. And someone read that for me. And no sin offering whereof any of the blood is brought into the tabernacle of the congregation to reconcile with, with all in the holy place shall be eaten. It shall be burnt in the fire. So there it says, And no sin offering, whereof any of the blood is brought into the tabernacle of the congregation. Tabernacle of the congregation is this whole area, not just this part, but it's the whole thing. The tabernacle of the congregation, it says if it's brought in there, if it's, um, it shall... It says, none of it shall be eaten. It shall be burned in the fire. So to me, when you read that, and it says no sin offering. All of these are sin offerings from the different levels of society. I believe that all of this remainder, even for this group and this group, it's all taken outside and burned. I believe the choice parts are given to God. And then what the remainder is, is taken outside of the city or outside of the camp and burned because of that scripture. God deserved the best. And because it was a sin offering to ask for forgiveness or purification, None of it could be used for anything else. It was only offered to God for His forgiveness. Didn't matter who you were because everybody fell into one of these four categories. You were either a priest, it was the congregation as a whole, and even if the whole, I would, to me I'm trying to think, what would a sin of ignorance for the whole congregation be? Because it would be like our whole church body doing something wrong and doing it in unison, like we were all together in it. We had talked about it, we planned it, didn't realize it, that it was something we shouldn't do, and then everybody's guilty. All in one, everybody. So either you're a priest, it was something that happened to everybody, you were a ruler, or you were a commoner. Well, a commoner could apply to one person. Let's just say uh, Christy did something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Just me, me alone. This is something that would affect the entire congregation. You know, they had the rule about not working on Sunday. Well, maybe the congregation as a whole got together and did something. And then somebody brought it to their attention and said, hey, this breaks the rule 
for what's supposed to be done on the Sabbath. You know, you went a little too far with this. Well, let's offer an offering just to make sure we're in good standing. That, that, that goes against God's law. It was something that God laid out for us and it went against His law and we did it anyway. And now it's been brought to our attention that it was wrong. Let, let's take care of this. Let's get the, the, uh, the congregation as a whole is going to make the sacrifice. Does that make sense? Now, with sacrifices, you think about all of these animals. You think about the blood. You think about the destruction, the gore. Um, and heaven forbid we have our um, animal lovers out there that can you only imagine if this was still in place today how people would protest against animals. We can kill our babies today all the way up to the time of birth when they're in the mother's womb up until the time of birth and that's okay. Well, yeah. But heaven forbid that you should kill an animal. But can you imagine what these people would be doing if this was still in place today? Now, Jews were not bloodthirsty people. This came out of the Jewish history, and it talks about their treatment of animals. And it says, Even though the Lord prescribed the slaughtering of animals for sacrifice and for food, the treatment of animals is, one, is of the utmost importance in Judaism. The Talmud, which is their, uh, their uh, traditional commentary that's been passed down by word of mouth, it says it describes with minute care and detail how an animal is to be slaughtered for food and the regulations are given mainly because of the desire to inflict as painless a death as possible. The slaughterer, or the person that was killing the animal, could not be a deaf mute or a minor, and he must be of sound mind. The knife must be perfectly smooth without the slightest perceptible notch, and the knife must be tested as to its three sides upon the flesh of the finger and upon the nail. So they would test the knife out and make sure that it was sharp before they used it on the animal. said you could not delay. You couldn't, um, you know, start killing the animal and then stop. They wanted you to do it in quick succession. said with uh, pressure, you must be made gently, but it must be firm enough that it will do it one time. Not that you're sawing back and forth. There was no digging, said the knife must not be inserted into the flesh instead of drawn across the throat. They would kill them. They would lean their heads back from the diagrams that I saw, the interpretation, and they would slice across their throat, automatically killing them. But it wasn't supposed to be jagged. It wasn't supposed to be in and out. It was supposed to be a quick thing that was done. Yes, no suffering. Um. The cut must not be made except through the section of the neck. The cut must be done without dislocating the windpipe or the gullet. And it says any one of these actions would render the animal unfit 
for conception or for sacrifice because it would have inflicted pain upon the animal. Said Judaism, their uh, laws and rules, it taught proper care of animals and a love and respect for them. They were to be properly fed. It said a man must not eat his meal before giving food to his cattle. He was to take care of his cattle first and then go in and eat his meals. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 15, it says, And he will give grass in your fields for your cattle, and then ye shall eat and be satisfied. So the cattle were taken care of first. And think about this. It says, The Lord taught Moses to care for sheep before he cared for all of the Israelites. Remember, he went off in the backside in the wilderness and he was a shepherd. He learned how to care for his animals first before he was ever called to lead people. thought that was interesting because we see this as bloody and gory, but they took all care with everything that they did in not making it any worse than what they had to. There was a precise uh, motions that were taken. Remember, they had to look at these animals, make sure they had no blemish. We talked about that before, how that if one was born and it was perfect, that I imagine it was watched for its first year of life, knowing that there were sacrifices that were going to have to be made to God, and that one was special. This one I'm going to be able to offer to God. There were lots of steps that went into each one of these sacrifices, and they were all at God's direction. So if God wanted worship for him back then to be this particular, don't you think he has the same requirements for our worship today and for the sacrifices that we bring? What are we supposed to bring? A sacrifice of praise? We're supposed to give our body as a living sacrifice to God? We are to give him the best. We are to give him not below our means. Our 10%, we are to give cheerfully. We are to give that before we give anything else and not worry about the rest of it because if we give him his part, guess what? The rest of it somehow will magically cover. Probably shouldn't have said the word magically, but that's how we look at it in our minds. There's never a want or a need of our daily uh, substance and the things that we have to have, they're always provided. David said, I once was young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed out begging bread. God will care for us. But we have to put him first. We have to recognize our need for his forgiveness for when we mess up. Because we're human and we're going to mess up. He made provision for them for things. And this is just the offenses against him. This is just one offering they had. We're going to talk about all the other offerings that they had too. But if God was so particular then, I think he's still particular today. We are told to worship in spirit and in truth. We are told to worship from the heart. We are told to give our all to him. And so many times, we don't give him the best. We become so burdened down and so um, 
we let the cares of this life take over what we should be giving Him. We become so worried. We have fear. We have all of these emotions when we're supposed to just give it to God. So let's have a word of prayer before we go upstairs. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your word, Lord. We thank you for the fact that you have given us these guidelines in the Old Testament. Lord, they all point to the great gift that you gave us in your son, Jesus, Lord, that you sent him to earth, that you provided him to be the sacrifice for us, to take our place in death, to carry our sins to the cross. Lord, and that we can be forgiven before you. We can be reconciled to you. We can have a relationship with you, Lord. I pray that you'll let that lay in our spirits, God, that he was the ultimate sacrifice. We don't have to worry about all of this anymore because he paid the cost. All we have to do is ask for forgiveness through his name. And you will gladly accept us, God. Lord, I thank you for these students. I thank you for their hearts, for your word, Lord. I pray that you'll give them favor and blessings, God, and that you'll look upon them and smile. Lord, have your way here in this service, Lord. I, hope, I pray you will meet needs and that you will save souls, Lord, and that you'll just prick our hearts in areas where we need to change or where we need to, uh, to ask for forgiveness, God, because we do mess up. And a lot of times we do it out of ignorance because we don't know any better, God. I just pray that you'll find glory and honor in our worship this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.